families. So two weeks ago, we kicked off uh, the series by just looking at the foundation of the family, God's desire for the family, and how we can trust God in our homes. Today, we're going to turn our attention to Psalm chapter 127, if you want to head that direction, as well as some other passages. And we're going to gain some insight on what is our role as parents, as well as a community and a church that has been entrusted with leading, teaching, coaching, and pointing children uh, forward. If you've been around Living Hope for any length of time, this is not a new concept that we are teaching on from Psalm 127. Uh, we have used this passage before, and, and the call remains the same as the last time, and the theme and some of the content is similar. But if you're like me, I need this reminder daily, uh, not just yearly. Uh, this week I was pitching to my son in the backyard, and he was being his silly self. And I wanted to coach him like he was 20, and I was getting so frustrated, and I had to fall back and be reminded that, it's not just about today, but it is about the long term. One of my favorite quotes on parenting that I, I think I use every time I talk about parenting it comes from Davy Barry in Reader's Digest. And they wrote, a perfect parent is a person with excellent child-rearing theory and no actual children. All right, I am not sure I have ever read a truer statement. Prior to kids, I thought I had it figured out, and now I daily feel like I'm flying blind. Uh, and I think that's most of us that are humble enough to admit it. But I love Psalm 127 because Psalm 127 pulls us away from the day-to-day, -day, from the grind of parenting. And it allows us to focus on the big picture, on the end goal. And for me, at least, it gives me purpose and it gives me hope. And I love Psalm 127 because it applies to those of us with young children in the home, but also applies to parents with older children, with grandchildren, to aunts, to uncles, to teachers, neighbors, coaches, and anyone who is investing in the life of the next generation. Because when we invest in the next generation, we don't just invest hoping to see behavior change today, but we invest hoping to see lifetime change down the road. So we're in Psalm 127. We're starting in verse 3. This is Solomon writing, and he says, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for this passage of Scripture. Lord, we thank you for uh, the blessing of children in our families and in our community and in our church. And God, I just pray that as we study this passage of Scripture that you would uh, call us to raise uh, our children and to point the children around us uh, towards you, Lord, and you would uh, help us to point them towards the future in which they are sent out for your good and for your glory. God, may you uh, help us to step back from the day-to-day -day grind and to see you and to see your call on our lives. God, we love you. We thank you for the privilege and joy it is to invest in the next generation. And it's your name we pray. Amen. So our, our first point today comes right there from verse 3, and it is simply that children are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a heritage from the Lord. And I absolutely love this language because heritage means that children are a gift to us from the Lord, but they are also the heritage, the legacy that we pass on beyond ourselves. Charles Spurgeon, the English preacher, said of this passage, God gives children not as a penalty nor as a burden, but as a favor. They are a token for good if men know how to receive them and lead them forward. I think we often believe that we, with modern medicine, are in control of when children will be born, and we are the creator, and it is our choice as to the timing and location. But we're reminded here and throughout Scripture that they are a gift from God, and it is God who has created our children and the children in our life. The children in our homes and the children we are entrusted to lead and point forward are a gift from God. They're not a burden, and they're not a duty. 
but a responsibility we have been gifted and trusted to lead. So that's the first thing. They are a heritage, a gift from the Lord. Secondly, I think if we, we read this, it would be easy to read this passage and hear that children are a heritage from the Lord. They are a blessing from God. And assume that if I desire children and God hasn't given me children, then I'm being punished for something. And that is absolutely not true and not what the psalm is talking about. And so if you're here today, I, I just want to talk to you just for a second. If you're here today and you are single and you long to be married with a family, if you're here today and you have dealt with infertility or miscarriage or anything along those lines, I want you to know that I don't have all the answers for you, but your heartache is not unnoticed and it is not felt by God. Your pain is not unnoticed. It is not simply God punishing you. I think about my life. I will never forget the joy and the excitement of going to the doctor's appointment and hearing the heartbeat of our children for the first time. Like There is nothing more amazing than that. But I will also never forget the pain and the sadness of the time we returned for a second appointment and the heartbeat couldn't be found. Now, I don't have all the answers for me and I don't have all the answers for you, but I know, do know that God loves you. He cares for you. He intercedes for you, and that there are pains, struggles, and hurts in this world because of the fallen, broken, sinful nature of this world. But there is a hope and a promise that God will one day redeem it all, and, and, he, and we will live with him for eternity where there is no more pains, tears, or hurts. I know that's not enough to answer the questions if that's what you're feeling today, but I do hope it's enough to at least silence the doubts and questions you may be feeling. If you're struggling with this, we preached a sermon on this topic a couple of years ago on God's promise of good in our life uh, and how God fulfills his promise of good even in the midst of hard time and tragedy and loss. And so that's you. I would encourage you to go uh, and check that out. It's on our YouTube page. Just search uh, God's promise of good. If you have more specifically dealt with, with miscarriage or stillbirth or pregnancy loss uh, and struggling with that, there's a book called Empty Arms, and it provides wisdom and counsel from a biblical perspective. And it has been uh, so helpful to us and to our family. So if you'd like a copy of that, write that on your welcome card, and we will get that to you. Uh, but that's just a quick caveat. Sorry, it's a little bit of a more serious issue. But uh, let's go to verse 4 of Psalm 127. So Psalm 127, it's believed to be written by Solomon. It would fall under the category of wisdom literature. And what I love about wisdom literature is that wisdom literature, the point of wisdom literature, is it paints a picture of what things look like in the end so that we change the way we live in the moment. And verse 4 is a beautiful example of this principle. Solomon writes, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. And so the image that Solomon uses for children is that of an arrow. And what is the point and the purpose of an arrow? The point and the purpose of the arrow is to be sent out from the quiver with the purpose of taking down the enemy. And so our second point is this, as parents, as, as those who are entrusted with leading and raising children, the end goal is children that are sent out for God's glory. If you believe that your purpose, your goal as a parent was to raise adults that would be sent out to the world, loving God and on mission to make him known no matter their occupation, so that's the end goal that wisdom literature points, then how would it change the way you parent today? If you're not a parent, then how would it change the way you grandparent, coach, teach, neighbor the kids around you if the end goal was, was children sent out? If the goal is not just happy and healthy children in the moment, but adults that will one day be sent out on mission, then how does that change how we parent and teach today? That's the purpose. That's a challenge, the call that wisdom literature leads us to think through. Uh, Dr. Jeff Orge, who has been here a few times and preached, he says, he writes, Parents, your goal is not protecting your children from risk and pain at all costs. Your goal must be emotionally healthy, spiritually growing, socially functional adults. 
And to get there, you must push your children to take risk, experience failure, handle their own conflicts, and feel some pain. So how would the way you raise and teach your 3-year-old, your 5-year-old, your 15-year-old, your 20-year-old change if you saw the opportunities of today not as opportunities to make your child happy and comfortable and even successful in the moment, but instead successful in the long run? If you saw your child not as a possession to hold on to, but as a child of God given to you to mold and send out. If you saw your child not as primarily a helper and servant in your home, but as a servant of the king. Solomon says children are a gift. They are a heritage from the Lord. They're not our kids, but they are the Lord's children that we've been entrusted to raise, model, and teach in the ways of God. They are not ours to possess, but they are his. Arrows are not created to remain in the quiver, but they are created to be sent out. And so our call as parents is to raise adults that can one day hold down a job, pay their own bills, and move out of the home. But as Christians, our call is even greater. Our call is not just to raise children that are sent out of the home, but to raise children that are sent out of the home with the mission of making Jesus known wherever God sends them, wherever they work and whatever they do. So many of my thoughts on this subject process through the lens of coaching, but a good coach lives out this principle. A good coach pushes his players beyond what is comfortable today so they may have success in the long run. A good youth coach doesn't just play for the win today, but they invest in the player for the long run. I have the privilege of coaching uh, middle school football. And when we coach middle school football, we want to win our games, yes. But the primary purpose is to prepare those kids for high school football and life beyond. We want those kids to have a good experience with the game, to learn the fundamentals, to learn proper techniques, and to be better next year than they were when they began. Sometimes that means breaking bad habits that may have been effective as a sixth grader in order to make them better players in the long run. I think about it, I'm coaching my son's 8- to 10-year-old baseball team right now. In 8- to 10-year-old baseball, if our only goal was to win every game, we would teach the players to never swing and just to bunt the baseball. Right? You could probably win every game by doing those two things. And that may mean success in celebrating today, but it would be setting them up for failure in the future. Because in the future, you're going to have to swing the bat to have success. You're going to have to learn other situations. And you have to have some fun or you're going to give up on the game. So as coaches, we sacrifice comfort, happiness, and even sometimes success today for the athlete in order to prepare our players for the future. And Solomon says that's what we are to do as parents as well. We don't give in to every whim of our child today. We don't just value their comfort and success today. But we look to the end goal. We look to the future and we push them challenge them, celebrate their successes in order to point them to a successful future. Reggie Joyner, he he wrote a book called Parenting Beyond Your Capacity. It, It might be my favorite book on parenting that I've ever read. But he writes, many parents are fine if our children never climb a mountain as long as it guarantees they never get hurt. Then he says, but what if your children were made for the mountains? The ultimate mission of the family is not to protect your children from all harm, but to mobilize them for the mission of God. It is possible to hold on to our kids so tightly that we forget the ultimate goal of parenting is to let go. That's wisdom literature right now. It is possible to hold on to our kids so tightly today that we forget the ultimate goal of parenting is to let go. We're we're seeing the fruits of this in our society. In this safety-obsessed helicopter, fix all my child's problems parenting. You've heard it, but adulting is a verb now in our culture. In which 20, 30, and even 40-year-olds complain about having to do responsible adult things. 
And it's easy to get frustrated and upset with these men and women, but more often than not, behind them was a parent that never gave them the opportunity to fail, never made them take responsibility, didn't prepare them for adulthood. But the thing is, behind them are not bad parents. It's not parents that were indifferent or didn't care for them. But behind them are are homes that were filled with involved parents that loved them, but were too fearful and, and too controlling and too involved to let their children grow up and experience challenge disappointment, and pain. And in that, that good intention, they create a generation of children who don't want to be sent out from the comforts of home. And so as parents, as teachers, as coaches, as, as nursery workers, as kids' night volunteers, as those involved and invested in the next generation, we have to make sure that we are not so focused on today that we forget that the goal is for each of those children to one day be successful, sent out adults on mission. And if you're here today and you're a young person in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and you're struggling to make it in the world outside of the comfort of home, then my encouragement is you can do it. Trust God and take on the responsibilities of adulthood and the responsibilities he's entrusted you with. Don't blame your parents. Don't blame your childhood. But take responsibility and trust God as you move forward in that role. So Solomon says the the ultimate goal of parenting is to let go, to send out functioning adult children, And for us as Christians, the ultimate goal is to send out functioning adult children that make a difference for the kingdom of God. That is the beauty of wisdom literature. It paints the picture of the end goal. And we are called to allow that to affect how we live, and in this case, parent in the moment. So if our end goal is to raise children that will be sent out on mission from God, then how does the Bible call us to parent and invest in the next generation now? These are pretty obvious, but the first thing we are called to do as parents is to teach our children the ways of the Lord. It's not just enough to love our kids and cheer them on. We as parents primarily, and as a community of the church, we are called to teach our children spiritually and raise them up in the ways of the Lord. We read this two weeks ago, but Deuteronomy 6 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be beyond your hearts. He says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Proverbs 22, 4 says, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. So if we want our children to grow up knowing God, knowing how much he loves them, and knowing the sacrifice he has made on their behalf, then we have to tell them about God. We have to teach our children the ways of the Lord. One of the great ways that you can teach your children the ways of the Lord is just by bringing them to church with you. And it is our privilege as a church to partner with you and to be a part of teaching your kids about a God that loves them so much. When you bring your children to church, you are showing them that God is a priority in our home. They are given the opportunity to worship God through song and through action. And they are given the opportunity to learn of a God that loves them. And as a church, we take seriously the responsibility of teaching the next generation about God. This is why if you've been here for a child dedication, we dedicate the parents and, and their commitment to raise their children in the ways of the Lord. But we also as a church commit to teaching that child about God and about the ways of God. I've shared this data before, but, but, but it, it, I love this data. Dr. Steve Parr, he wrote a book called Why They Stay, and it's just in the last few years. And in it, he surveyed 1,400 young adults in their 20s and early 30s to see if he could figure out why some stayed in the church and in their faith and why some strayed from the church and their faith. And in his study, they found some surprising and really fascinating trends. One of the amazing things was that many of the factors we deem most important, they found made no difference in whether kids stayed or strayed from the faith. 
They found that the fact of faith of grandparents, the presence of a full-time youth pastor, and the choice of schooling, whether it be homeschool, public school, or private school, made no statistical difference in whether a young child or a young adult stayed or strayed from their faith. Now, obviously, none of those are bad things, but they didn't deem that to be the determining factor. But here are the things they found that were important. They found that 75% of those that stayed in the faith accepted Jesus before the age of 16. So it's important that we are teaching our children. They are hearing the hope of the gospel from a young age. That's why we value it as equally important teaching your children as teaching adults at our church. They also found those who grew up with a high view of the scriptures and believed that they were the source of truth. They found they were 84% more likely to stay. They also found in their research that those that sat with their parents during church and were involved in the church worship service were 40% likely more to stay in church. Right? That's why we provide teaching for babies and preschoolers. That's why we have children's church for elementary school kids. But we want them to be in here singing with you and then leaving for an age-appropriate lesson. That's why we desire that older children and youth sit with their parents in church. We want them to participate and see you worship. The final significant trend they found was that adults that liked their senior pastor as a child and youth were way more likely to stay. They found that those that disliked their pastor growing up were 90% more likely to stay, it's likely to stray from the church. You guys are well aware of this, but I am in no way perfect, and you might not like me. It might be a good thing if you encourage your kids to like me, and I'll do my best. I try to be intentional to be known and be around them. But as I said earlier, I and we as a church do truly value teaching your children as equally as important as that of the adults. And we want to invest in them. And we want your children in church with you and with us. Your children are a reminder to the whole church of God's blessing. They're a reminder of our responsibility as a church to reach the next generation. And their cries and their laughter are a reminder of the life that God has given us as a church. We love your family. We love your children. And we want them to maintain their love of God and their faith long after they move on from us. So church is important, and being involved in church is important for your children coming to faith and staying in the faith as they leave home. But the reality is your children will spend at most two to four hours at church a week. That means they will spend the other 164 hours of their week away from the church at your home with you, at school, sleeping, playing, and so on. And because of that disparity of time, it is so important that you as a family and as parents take seriously your role to raise up and teach your children the ways of the Lord at home. Find ways to involve the Bible in your, your daily lives. Read a devotional book together in the morning or at night. If you want help finding one of those, come and talk with me or talk with Nellie. She knows more about this than anyone should. All right? There's a lot of simple resources out there that help you with this. Talk about your faith as you go about your day. Give them opportunities to serve uh, others and to serve at church and, and in life alongside you. Let them be a part of your, your giving as you thank God for your gifts in your life. When you need to forgive, involve your children and speak of God's grace. Right? You're not preaching a 20-minute sermon each time, but it's just regularly mentioning God and the truth of scriptures as you go about your day. Incorporate worship songs, the songs we sing at church, into your life or as you're driving the car. Be intentional to speak and teach about God when opportunities arrive. And that leads right into our next point. Don't just talk about your faith, but model and involve your children or those children around you in your faith. Model your faith before your children. So another one of my favorite quotes, Archbishop Tillerson writes, To give children good instruction and then give them a bad example is but beckoning them to the head, uh, beckoning, beckoning to them with the head to show them the way to heaven, while we take them by the hand and we lead them on the way to hell. I mean, the way we live our lives in front of our children is more important than what we say to our children. 
right? You guys know this, children, especially your own children, especially teenagers, right? They can see through hypocrisy unlike anyone else. It's not just enough to say the right things, but we also have to model our faith in our homes. C.J. Mahaney said, effective teaching involves explaining to our children what they are already observing in our lives by examples. Our lives, our actions, our priorities, our relationships are what our children see and what they learn from. This goes for any parenting, grandparent, mentoring relationship you have. Our actions matter. Again, in the book, Why They Stay, the authors came to this conclusion. Modeling a close relationship with the Lord may be the most influential factor in why your children stay or stray from their faith. Their research backed that up. One of the best ways that you can do this is by first investing in your relationship with Jesus. If you want your children to follow Jesus, they need to see that he's a priority in your life. I've said this before, but as a child, I knew that Jesus was a priority in our family, not because I was told that, but really more so because every morning when I woke up, my dad's Bible was opened on the counter where he had been reading it. Because we went to church every Sunday, because my parents served and led at church. Because of that, I knew God was important, because it was important in the lives, not just the words of my family. This takes, uh, this takes a commitment to God and intentionality to make sure your children see this. I shared some of these earlier, but take your children when you serve at church. Take your children when you serve your neighbor or love your neighbor or take them a meal. Let them be involved in that process, even though it will take twice as long to cook. Right? As you pay your bills and you, you write out your budget and you, you write out a tie check, talk to your kids about it. Show it to them. Right? For us, this is sometimes tougher to do with online giving. At one point, we were talking to our son, Cademan. He was like six at the time. And we were teaching him how to, how to budget and how to tithe and just kind of going through that. Uh, and so he's like, he wanted to make sure we do that. So we had to pull out our budget and show him how we do that and how we draw that out and how uh, it's automatically taken from our check. But find ways to serve and to model this for your kids. Share your testimony with your kids. Tell them how God has changed your life and, and tell them through that, show them how God has changed your life. James Dobson, our focus on the family, said, children want to know what is most important to us. If we hope to instill them with, with, within them a faith that will last a lifetime, they must see and they must feel our passion for God. So let them see your faith. Let them be a part of it. Talk to them about it. Another great thing you do is invest in your marriage. Right? Your, mar- your, your children see that relationship modeled daily. What a tremendous opportunity to model love and humility and sacrifice and grace and forgiveness. Invest in your marriage. Your marriage is where your children see your faith lived out. Then walk in humility in front of your kids. Show them what it looks like to be a man or a woman of your word. But when you mess up, which we do, when you mess up, let them know and apologize often. Apologize to them and apologize in front of them. Your children don't need to see you as perfect But they need to know of a perfect God that is growing you, that loves you despite your failures and imperfections. Our actions are even more important than our words. Live out your faith in front of your children, no matter their age. Final thing, the final thing, final point for today that we must do is we must pray for our children. I look around my life, there are parents who I know that are great parents, parents who do everything they know to raise their kids right. They love their children. They provided a safe home. They taught their kids the ways of the Lord, but their children still chose to go their own way when they hit adulthood. And I say that not to be discouraging to you as parents, but to remind you uh, that as important as you and I are in our children's life, the thing they need more than anything is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So pray for your children with desperation. 
Psalm 127.1, you go back to the first verse of this psalm, reads, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Our children don't need perfect parents. They need God to move in their lives. So pray for God to move in their lives. Pray that he would convict them of the sin in their lives. Pray that they would accept and follow Jesus, their Lord and Savior. Pray that their, your children would use their talents and their abilities and their life to one day honor Jesus. Pray for wisdom to parents as, as God would like you to parent. Pray uh, with and for humility as you take on the task. And, and pray that God would draw you closer to himself as you parent, teach, and model your faith. I cannot emphasize enough how important it is that you pray with your kids, but also that you pray for your kids. I think uh, when I think of this concept, I think of 1 Corinthians 3, Paul Paul speaks of himself and he speaks of Apollos who invested in the Corinthian church. And he says, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Pray for God to move in your children's lives. Pray for them to be drawn to him, to follow him with their life. So friends, as parents, as a church family, we have been given an incredible and honorable task and a great task. We have been entrusted with children, with grandchildren, with students, with neighbors, with a community of children here in our church. And our responsibility is to teach them the hope of the gospel. Model our faith and pray with desperation that God would draw them, draw them and many others to faith in him in the next generation. And I love this picture that this wisdom literature paints here in Psalm 127. I love this picture. It gives me hope and it excites me with passion to think of the possibilities and the plans that God has for each of these, these little babies that are in our church, for these children, for these teenagers, these people that sit in this room and in this community. What if in the next 20 years, each of these children, each of these babies, each of these teenagers were sent out like an arrow, loving God and on mission to make him known, shot as light into the darkness, the impact they could make, and I can't even comprehend and that's our goal. That is our hope. That's our goal as a church, and that's our goal as parents. Our goal is to send these children that we have influence over, is to send them out into the world with faith in God and on fire for the greatest mission mankind has ever known, which is to make Jesus known and bring him glory. Right? If that doesn't excite you, if that doesn't, if that doesn't, if doesn't excite you, if it doesn't get your heart rate going, I don't know what will. That's our goal. That's our hope as parents as a church. So how does that goal, how does that future Change what you do today. Pray for wisdom. Pray with desperation for your children. Pray for your neighborhood children. Pray for your cousins. Pray for your grandchildren. Pray for the children in your school and classrooms. Pray for your kids' friends. Pray that God would save them. Pray that he would capture their hearts. They would be sent out from the quiver. And children, if you are here, you're listening to me, please know that God loves you. He gave his life for you, and he wants more than anything for you to experience that love. So if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, then talk to me or talk with your parents about what it means to follow Jesus. But if you are here and you have followed Jesus as a child, his plans are great for you, and they don't end there. He desires to use your life, your gifts, your future job for his glory and to make him known. He desires to use you today and in the future to influence others, to share the gospel, to model your faith. Today and for your future family, he desires for you to join the greatest mission this world has ever known. He desires to use you in an incredible way if you will let him. So Emily's going to come and, and we're just going to respond in a few different ways. And as we, as we reflect, as we uh, respond to this passage, just think about your life. If you're an adult, who are those children that God has entrusted to you? Who are those children in your life that you have influence over? 
Would you just commit to praying for them? Would you commit to, to today investing in them and, and looking forward to the future? And then how does God's desired end goal of sending our children on a mission, how does that change what we do today? How is he calling you to invest? How is he calling you to pray? How is he calling you to model your faith? How is he calling you to invest in your relationship and to invest in your marriage? Would you commit today to do what God is calling you to do to lead your children and the next generation to faith and to purpose in him? All right, so Emily's going to come, and I'm going to pray for us as she comes. And during that time as she plays, just take a moment just to reflect and give thanks to God. Give thanks maybe for your salvation, or if you've never trusted, maybe you trust him today. And would you pray for your children, those children in your life? God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for the forgiveness of sins that, that we have experienced or that we can experience in you. God, if there's someone here that doesn't know you as the Lord and Savior, maybe today is the day in the midst of a sermon on parenting that you speak to them and they trust their life to you and their future to you. And God, I pray for the many here that, that are uh, your followers. God, I, I thank you that you have given us purpose that you've given us intentionality to make you known. God, we thank you for the children that you have entrusted to our families, the children you have entrusted in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our community of faith here in our church. God, I pray that we would be a people that see those relationships with intentionality, that we pray for those children in our lives, that we invest and we tell them about you and the hope that's available in you, that we model our faith, Lord, and that we prepare them to be sent out for your good and for your glory. So God, I just pray in these next few moments as we reflect, Lord, that you would remind us of this uh, tremendous heritage and blessing we have been called to. And God, that you would uh, speak to us. You give us just practical things that you are calling us to do as we uh, strive to teach and prepare our children for the future, as we strive and, and to teach and point them to you. So God, we thank you for this heritage, Lord. We thank you for this responsibility we've been entrusted. May we be faithful with what you've given us to do. God, we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. God, we thank you for how you love and how you care for us. God, we thank you for the responsibility you've given us as a parent and as a church. God, I also pray for the kids here today, the children, the babies, the, the youth, Lord. God, I pray that you would move in their lives. I pray that you would call them to salvation, to faith in you. God, I pray that you would not only save them, Lord, but you would capture their hearts and that you would become their purpose and their mission in this life. God, I pray you would send them out as lights into the darkness, Lord, and they would shine for you, Lord, and they would share your hope and your glory and your goodness with their future families and with the world around them. 
God, we pray that you would use these children, not just today, to bring us joy. God, that you would use these children in the future to spread your name, spread your glory, that many might come to faith as they are sent out um, in, your, in your name. God, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, I've got a few announcements for you. Uh, first of all, if you are new to Living Hope Church, there should be a welcome card somewhere in the vicinity of you. Uh, if you wouldn't mind filling that out and placing that in the, the wood box on the back table, we would appreciate it. Uh, that's also where you can place your tithes and offerings if you consider this your church home. Uh, all the announcements are on the back of your sermon notes, but I'm going to hit a few of them. Um, for the summer, we got a bunch of summer uh, dates coming up. Uh, we have VBS, Children's Day Camp, which is coming up uh, July 31st to August 3rd. Um, and then we have our children's camp on Casper Mountain, which is a sleepaway camp. Uh, it is July 10th to the 14th. Uh, deposit is due June 4th. If you have questions about that, you can come and see me. There's also information on the back table uh, about the camp. And then we have summer uh, youth camp or summit youth camp for youth, which is on Casper Mountain. And it is uh, July 24th to July 29th. Uh, that deposit is due next Sunday. Uh, we could always go beyond that, but it is on there. If you have questions about that, come and see me. Um, you can probably see Miss Smith in the back. She looks confident. You can see Miss Smith in the back too. Uh, and uh, if you don't know who she is, come see me, and I will send you to Miss Smith. Um, also, we always have some people that want to uh, give donations for that to help provide scholarships. If that's something you'd like to do, you can just write that uh, on an envelope and put it in the box, and we will make sure that is used for that. Uh, Nelly's going to give you the other announcements because she recruits you. So, uh, but I also <laughs> coordinate a lot of the volunteers. And if you want to serve at church, I'm probably the person to talk to. You can also talk to Rondi, um, but I make a lot of the schedules and things. And right now we are transitioning to summer. And going into kind of our summer activities, summer schedules, for all the different things. About every three months, I make new schedules for what we do with the kids on Sunday morning, for worship team, um, all these things. And we would love to get more people involved in that. We've had a lot of new friends. A lot of you are new in the last couple years. And we would really like to see more people get involved. And so if you would like to serve in any capacity, come talk to me. We're going to make you serve. <laughs> but we, you are more than welcome to just show up. Um, but I think there's joy in serving, and I love serving, and I would like to get more people involved in that. So if you would like to help with the kids, you do have to pack a, pass a background check to do that. Um, everybody starts as a helper, so you get to kind of see what the system is. Children's helpers help about once every six weeks to start, and then if you want to help more than that, you can, but you're not committing to more than that. Um, we also have people that just serve as like a substitute, so like if somebody has to be gone, they can jump in and help, um, and so that's a great way to do that. And then um, worship team, if you sing, I am not the best singer in the world. I just stand up there and do it. And I know that there's others of you out there who are probably better than I am and enjoy singing. And I would love to get more people involved. Um, we practice on Wednesdays. We do it on Sunday. Or when we sing on Sundays, you just have to come early. I send out the songs at the beginning of the week, so you have those in advance. We'd love to get more people involved with that. We'd also love more musicians if you play an instrument. Um, so... Um, if you, that is something that God puts on your heart, I'm just throwing it out there. I want you to pray about it. If that's something that God puts on your heart, come talk to me, talk to Rondi. Um, this is a good transition time over the summer and into the fall um, to get more people involved, so I always like to do that. My last plug for volunteers. So we've got children's ministry volunteers, 
Um, we have the worship team. There's also, um, we have a team that cleans the church once a week. If that's something that's during the week, if that's something you would like to get help with, uh, Miss Barnes coordinates that. She's not here today, but that's a great way to serve as well. Um, you just come on one of the days. You get to pick the day. You come and just help vacuum and clean and get things ready for Sunday. That's where I'm going next. Last thing is every summer we do a big camp here at the church called VBS. Um, it's a week long. We just share the gospel with the kids and tell them about Jesus. And we have a ton of kids that come. Last year we had like 90-something kids come. Um, it's really fun. Invite your friends. Anybody's welcome. But um, it's run all by volunteers. We do have some people that come from Arkansas to help us, which gives us a few extra people. But it takes a lot of people to make it happen. So if you're available, um, we would love to have your help. And you don't have to teach to help. Um, we have a lot of people who help with snack. I mean, pulling it off, it's 9 to noon the first week of August. Um, and it's, um, we'd love to have some more help. So um, I have people who help with registration. I have people who help just clean up. <laughs> I have people who help with the snacks, making sure the kids are fed. And then we need classroom helpers and teachers who can help and teach. And usually I have people start as a helper and then become a teacher, um, unless I just really know you, just because we want you to know kind of how we do it before we do that. So if you want to help with anything at all, we'd love to get everybody involved serving. Come talk to me. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to close us in prayer, and then we'll go. All right. Dear Lord, we thank you uh, so much that you love us and that you care for us. Father, we thank you for the joy and privilege it is to come and to worship you. Uh, and, uh, God, we just pray that you would uh, bless our week as you send us out this week. Uh, we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. What? I could, oh, am I supposed to? Oh, sorry. I have one more announcement. It's dangerous to give me a microphone, guys. Um, we are having, I don't, for those of you that don't know, Rondi graduated like two weeks ago with his um, doctorate of ministry. Yeah! It's, like, it's a big deal. We're proud of him. Um, and that's like a, it's an advanced degree in ministry theology. Um, and it's a leadership degree. He had to do a big project. Anyway. And he also won an award. You should ask him about that, too. Um, <laughs> he won't tell you that, but he did. He did an amazing job. And so he graduated. So we're doing a little graduation reception just for fun so we can celebrate Rondi. Um, and so if you want to stay, we got coffee and donuts. And you can stay and hang out and tell Rondi, good job graduating with your doctorate. So that's what we got. And then, Steve, did you want to? No. Okay. Okay, Steve's going to go get the donuts. There's donuts there. There's coffee there. Enjoy. Have fun.